0: The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee
1: Vitale on seven sixty WJR. Someone give our girl Renee a raise today.
2: <laughs> Earning that check. Yikes.
1: Well yeah. it seems like it seems like if we clear this hurdle, we're going to be okay for a while.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, we're going to get some rain tomorrow and the next day, but uh, not what we're dealing with right now, which leaving my house this morning, it was an ice slick on, on my surface streets. Um, uh, it's, the secondary roads, eh, they're not great either. Fortunately, 75, 696, they were just wet. So the trucks have been on those already, which is great.
1: Yeah, great job to, to them. And we're in this weird limbo stage. It's like
2: 32, 33,
1: 34, where yeah. it's hovering... Just above freezing, but the uh, rain is still frozen when it hits the ground. And I think as long as our salt trucks continue to stay on top of it, we'll be okay. We'll make it through. But obviously, the timing of this is really bad. It's supposed to go through morning rush into the afternoon. Uh, Lots of
2: school closings. You can go to our website for that, wjr.com.
1: You know what I'm glad to see, though? What's that? Remember back during COVID and all kids were doing remote schooling and everyone's saying, Oh, this is great. Now that we've got remote schooling down and we know what we're doing, there's going to be no more snow days. Yeah. And, that and I was wept.
2: a bummer. <laughs> I,
1: I wept for the children of this generation, I but it looks know. like they're still able to enjoy the time. That's tradition. right.
2: That's right.
1: Uh, you mentioned it in your report just a second ago. Uh, Detroit Metro is a mess. We actually heard that all planes were grounded. However, we couldn't find anything to confirm that, and we couldn't find anything to give us up-to-the-minute updates.
2: Yeah, I went to DTW's website, their flight tracker, and uh, there are many that are delayed, uh, but there are still many that are scheduled on time as early as six o'clock this morning. So uh, I, I think maybe it depends on what, what runway you're taking off from, perhaps, yeah. uh, because the problem that we heard is that they're having a problem with clearing the runway.
1: Yeah. And I would also think that de-icing, the, keeping the, the planes de ice would also be sure. a, a challenge in this. So yeah, just, just, just check ahead wherever you're going. And if you can work remotely this morning, do so. Today's the and day. Then it, and then it seems like we stay above freezing. Um, throughout the rest of the week we might get a little snow on Sunday but nothing like the deep freeze that we've been seeing at least in the near future it's still it's still late January and and winters here go till April but at least in in the view of the extended forecast we might be getting a little break here yeah I was
2: I was looking ahead uh, and it looks like Thursday February 1st Thursday, Friday, we're going to hit 50-degree mark. Then that, the third, it's saying 52. So uh, I wow. don't know about you, but I'll be running around in a bathing suit at that point.
1: I might <laughs> not even put pants on.
2: No pants. All it, right. Yeah,
1: no no, pan, no pants groundhog's day, which means it's just going to happen over and over. Right. Oh, boy. Like my friends in Wilson, Wilson Phillips would say, hold on for one more day. <laughs> that well, actually, beautiful. hold on for a week. Thank yeah. you. Hold on for one more week. All right. Well, Renee, we are finding out which one of the Oxford High School shooter's parents will be tried first, which was the big question of uh, yesterday.
2: Yep. And that's Jennifer Crumbly. She, of course, the mother of the Oxford High School shooter. She's going to go to trial first on charges of involuntary manslaughter. Jennifer and her husband, James, are each facing four charges of involuntary manslaughter in the Oxford High School shooting from November of 2021. Um, they're charged with failing to stop their son from killing the students. Jury selection will begin today in Jennifer's trial and James's trial is set to begin on March 5th. Jury selection is expected to take several days and it could take longer due to the case's high profile nature. And legal experts nationwide are expected to watch the trials closely as they're likely to have, you know, far-reaching implications for how future school shooter cases are handled by prosecutors. And key evidence Evidence in the trials is expected to include how the shooter's parents secured the gun that he later used to commit the mass shooting, along with his cries for help.
1: Yeah, and the reason why everyone's going to be watching this in the legal world, because as we said yesterday, this is the first time that um, parents are being tried in connection to a a school shooting. Yeah, this is unprecedented. Right, and it's going to set the precedent, whatever happens. And, um, of course, the shooter's lawyer is trying to block him from testifying at his parents' trial, uh, either one of them. Yeah. Because they, they said that he'll evoke the fifth, the right to remain silent. Um, and they say it's because of his ongoing appeal of that life sentence. Yeah, that's and, a
2: bombshell. That he's Yeah, it is this. a bombshell.
1: It makes sense, though. I mean, at this point, and it's probably been like this for a while, and that's why the shooting happened. It's every it's every person in that family for themselves.
2: We've clearly learned that with just the yeah. parents' decision to be tried separately,
1: right? And and so at first they were a united front. At first they were saying that they want to be there for for their son, but then of course when it comes to legal strategy, you really they they really have to silo themselves off. So. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. The jury selection is today. And then I believe that Jennifer's trial will start soon after, if not immediately.
2: I I can only imagine what the process is going to be like to select a jury. How do you find people that have unbiased opinions at this point? Uh, It's it's going to be quite a process.
1: And and I'm actually surprised and maybe I missed the story. I'm surprised that none of the the defense attorneys have asked for a change of venue yet. But you would probably have to go pretty, pretty far away. Alaska. (laughs) Yeah, if even that. Um, So that's a great point. The Supreme Court, they have ruled to allow border agents to remove razor wire deployed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott down at the Mexican border. By a vote of five to four, at least for now, they sent it back down through the lower courts. So from what I understand, they're not talking about taking all the razor wire fence down, but border agents were forbidden by the state of Texas from removing it under any circumstances. So they couldn't remove it if there were migrants on the other side that Mm -hmm. that needed help. They couldn't remove it if a migrant was caught in it. Um, And there were a few times border agents cut through the wire to try to do their job, and they were sued by the state of texas and last week three migrants died in the rio grande because border agents couldn't get to them because of the razor wire and and look i understand the need for tough immigration reform and i'm sure razor wire has its place in that but to force these border agents to stand by and do nothing while someone they could have saved drowned or to not be able to help someone stuck in it that's Vlad the impaler type stuff. There's yeah. there's tough immigration reform and then there's just cruelty and inhumanity. What you mean? Yep. I mean to both the migrants and the border agents who I'm sure it's very traumatizing for the border agents to see somebody on the other side of this razor wire drowning when they could save them and they can't they, they can't cut through the wire
2: and we've, or to ha- yeah, we watch no, we've watched that footage. A lot of times it's kids that are coming right. across. How do you or sit man- back and not not do anything?
1: Right, just as a human being. I, I mean, I understand they're crossing illegally, but is that, that a capital? Is that a capital offense? Right. And 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 to me, the the image of somebody stuck in the razor wire and border agents not being able to do—I I mean, it's look. These are still human beings, okay? And yeah, they shouldn't be crossing over illegally, Correct. but they also don't need to die a die. slow, painful death st- stuck right. on some barbed wire. I mean, wire.
2: they they look like animals trapped in wires. It's it's horrible. Yeah.
1: So uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by the Supreme Court on that. And it looked like that a hostage deal was dead in the water yesterday um, in the war between Israel and Hamas. Um, there was a deal put forth by Hamas towards Israel to free all hostages if Israel would release all Palestinian prisoners and completely withdraw uh, from Gaza. Of course, Benjamin Netanyahu gave that a big N-O. But later in the day, we got word that Israel has offered a two-month ceasefire in exchange for all remaining hostages through Egyptian and Qatari mediators. And uh, here are the parameters. I just ripped them right from Axios, who originally reported the deal. Uh, The deal would include the release of all remaining hostages who are alive and the return of the bodies of dead hostages in several phases. First phase would see the release of women, men, uh, who are over the age of 60 and hostages who are in critical uh, need of medical attention. The next phase would include the release of female soldiers, men who are under the age of 60, who are not soldiers, Israeli male soldiers and the bodies of hostages under the pro's deal. Israel and Hamas would agree in advance on how many Palestinian prisoners would be released for each Israeli hostage in each category. And then separate negotiations on the names of these prisoners would take place wow. and uh, and it would also include redeploying israel de- defense forces so that some would be moved out of the main population centers in gaza allowing a gradual return of palestinian civilians to gaza city and northern gaza strip as the deal is being implemented and the um and but you know netanyahu said that th- this uh it is not um, the end of the war, it would just be a ceasefire. Right. So we'll we'll see what happens. I don't imagine uh, Hamas agreeing to it unless it's longer than two months. I, but.
2: That's quite a bit of time. I mean, that's sixty days. It's more than it half is. as long as it's been going on.
1: And, and perhaps maybe the hope is that a lot can happen in those sixty days.
2: Yeah, that would be great. And
1: that and that both sides will will see that uh, there's peace over these 60 days, and they don't want to go back to the warring, but that's a very optimistic view.
2: Because um, at the longest, it's been, what, two weeks that they've put a pause in place?
1: I believe it ended up being two weeks. It it, it was temporary, and then it kept getting extended. Yeah. I think it, it did even out to about two weeks. All right, I've uh, got to take a quick break. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Well, those Lions watch party tickets at Ford Field did not last long, did they? They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> uh, I believe there was a, uh, the presale was yesterday at 10, uh, general public was, uh, three and within an hour or two, they were, they were completely gone. And, and yesterday I was drawing parallels between these Detroit lions and the hockey town red wings. And what does this sound a lot like Joe
2: vision? It does sound like Joe vision. Oh, Joe vision was fun. I did that once. I did too. You know, it was I, fun.
1: I, man, I, I, I never went. I didn't have a driver's license for the first few oh. years, and then, yeah, I know it's one of my my great regrets. Um, you know, I what would have been better than going to watch an away game on the jumbotron in the middle center ice up on the ceiling at Joe Louis Arena, and then going to the bathroom in a trough with however <laughs> many thousands of my well, and think about it,
0: friends. Think about it like this too, Mike a joe vision compared to what the, what they can do now obviously it's a football stadium it's a bigger uh it's a bigger screen but if oh, the wings yeah. were doing a watch party it would be bigger than the than the the center uh video screen above
1: the ice yeah and really you're there for i i mean you're you're there for the the atmosphere oh, it's yeah. actually the the best of both worlds right because there's always that debate between the experience of actually going to the game and the experience of watching it at home, which is so much better when it uh, than it used to be with uh, the broadcast and st- stuff. Now you get both. Now now you get to watch it on TV, and then you get that atmosphere as well.
2: And Jason brought up a good point about parking.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, what well, will they charge? That's the uh, million-dollar question.
1: Right. Well, yeah, and 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 that came up because. We were saying, I think tickets for this were like 20 bucks, which is great. Good for them. And a good chunk um, of
2: that's going to charity.
1: Right. And I don't see any resale on Ticketmaster, which I think is also great. But yeah, yeah Jason, <laughs> how much they were charging.
0: First parking. thing I thought of when I heard, I'm like, well, what's parking going to be? Oh, my Lord. Right.
1: Because you had the price gougers out there during the divisional game against the Bucks charging an average of $140 that's to insane. park.
2: insane. Absolutely insane,
1: criminal almost. Yep. Um, I Jason, I think they'll try, but I, I, this will be a big event, but I don't think it'll be quite as big as them actually hosting a home game. So they probably can only charge eighty dollars instead of one hundred and forty dollars. But what a savings! (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. Now you can get now you can get a hot dog.
1: You know what? They should take a cut of those parking proceeds and give it to charity as right?
2: well. Right? Something tells me that won't happen. No.
1: No, I don't think so. Um and, and it's it's also kind of funny because you know all the local news stations are saying how how much is it going to cost you to actually go to the game in San Francisco and and I I'm, I I'm, I'm saying it's going to cost too much. You can't afford it. Just stay home. I mean San Francisco is one of the most expensive country uh I'm sorry, one of the most expensive cities. In the country, and if you thought it was expensive to go to a Lions home game, uh, you're going to have to sell a kidney, or or your kid's not going to college if you want to go watch the divisional, or I'm sorry, the uh, the conference, the NFC Championship game in San Francisco.
2: Well, you know what was interesting was we were checking airfare. While there was the possibility, it was seeming real that they were going to be going to san francisco and uh from that point to yesterday when we checked airfare, it went up two hundred dollars
1: oh yeah and i'm i would I would imagine that hotels are probably hard to come by oh yeah, they're probably already expensive to begin with, but I mean, if you just kind of look how you know how 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 much everything costs around here. Um, for the the two playoff games that the the uh, Lions hosted, I can only imagine how expensive it's going to be at San Francisco. So,
2: and then the Lions they... signed Zach Ertz. Yeah, um,
1: a nice signing. Obviously, he's not the three-time Pro Bowl tight end that that he was. But, um, you know, Sam Laporta had that knee injury, and they were talking about signing him after the final game of the season if LaPorta wasn't able to go against the Rams. And then uh, tight end Brock Wright, he suffered a broken forearm against the Bucks, So they needed to bring on a little bit of depth. And even if Zach Ertz isn't the Pro Bowl caliber tight end that he used to be, maybe a little bit of of, of leadership in the tight end room. He won a, a Super Bowl with the uh, with the Eagles and, and he had some really great years with them so nice signing obviously it's not not the blockbuster signing it would have been five six years ago but I, I think it's a good move
2: as Jason called it a little bit of an insurance policy
1: yeah I would say so right because you got you got you, you got one banged up tight end in Sam Laporta who a banged up Sam Laporta is still better than most tight ends in this we league still anyway. had nine <laughs> catches on Sunday <laughs> right yeah and and Brock Wright, who's a you know, who's who's had some big plays over the years, he's completely out because his his arm is broken. And then starting left guard Jonah Jackson, Dan Campbell said it's not looking good for him either. He hurt his knee.
2: So have we heard anything about Frank Rag now?
1: Um I I I haven't heard anything, so I'm going to assume he plans to be out there, but that's a good question. It's something we'll watch as yep. as we get closer. I mean, uh, when it it comes to being this deep in the playoffs, I think that the team with the healthiest offensive line has the best advantage. Right now, Uh, I just
0: looked it up. He is expected to play.
1: Oh, good. I mean, I don't know if it was last season or the season before. He... He played I don't remember what the injury was, but it turned out after the season that he had a Pro Bowl season and, and he was essentially in agony for every game for, for the he, majority he's a of tough the tough one. So you're, this guy
0: you're gonna have to do a lot to keep him out, especially for an NFC championship game.
1: Yeah. I mean Taylor Decker said it in the locker room afterwards when he was getting emotional over him that um you know, he is he is so afraid to let his teammates down he he said something along the lines of of Frank Ragnar was paranoid to come out of the game so um you know not only physically tough but but very mentally tough yep it, and the lot, i mean huge ratings by the way for for these two playoff games i mean record setting and and maybe we'll get into the numbers a little bit uh deeper later on in cross in in crosstalk but um yeah uh, if there was any doubt and we've seen the social media metrics that said say that the Detroit Lions are are currently America's team because the the whole country is rooting for them to win the Super Bowl. Uh if there is any doubt, just look at the TV ratings and, and 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 you'll know that uh people like this team. And as Mitch Albom said, it's not they're they're not cute anymore. They're they're legit. It's not we're happy to be here. They're a legit NF, NFL franchise with a shot at mm-hmm. a championship. So, and Like we said, we have not experienced that in a very, very long time. Um, E.G. Carroll, the writer who sued Donald Trump for sexual assaults defamation trial against the former president, has been postponed by at least a day because uh, at least one juror has COVID. Donald Trump was set to testify yesterday meaning that he may have to testify today, New Hampshire primary day. And it wouldn't be the first time the former president would have to go right from a New York city courtroom to New Hampshire last week. He was more than two hours late to a campaign event in New Hampshire because he got caught up in court and everyone's kind of making it a big deal about how, Oh, he might have to testify on New Hampshire primary day. And in a normal election year with a normal candidate, I would say that was intriguing. I was going to say, does that
2: even matter? No,
1: no, it doesn't matter. Uh, I I mean, he's so far ahead. He's so far ahead that, I mean, he could, he he could probably, he he could probably uh, fly to San Francisco for the Detroit Lions 49ers game because he's one of the only people who can afford it and still (laughs) win the New Hampshire primary. There
2: you go. Good analogy. Um,
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we heard in the news there's that little city, that, that folksy story of that little city in New Hampshire where all six votes went to Nikki Haley. But that's probably the only jurisdiction that she's going to win here. But maybe, maybe we'll be surprised. I don't know. Um, and, and there's – there when it comes to primaries and politics, I guess – Sad reality is that scams are soon to follow.
2: Yeah, the Biden campaign has condemned a fake robocall circulating in New Hampshire, which has used the president's voice to discourage voting in the state's Tuesday primary. Biden will not be on the state's primary ballot because of a conflict with New Hampshire legislators and the Democratic National Committee. But his campaign is encouraging voters to write his name in. A Biden spokesperson said this is deep fake disinformation designed to harm Joe Biden suppress votes and damage our democracy in the robocalls biden's manipulated voice tells the listener that voters are better spent and excuse me votes are better spent in november and that a primary vote helps trump it's unclear how many people received the calls or who specifically was targeted and the phone calls are being referred to law enforcement to de- determine who is responsible
1: okay so so Joe Biden is or he is not on the ballot? He
2: is not on the ballot. And so they are telling people to write his name in. Um, But these robocalls are saying, don't waste your time because those votes will go to Trump.
1: Well, number one, uh, um, uh, you know, this robocall says that votes are better spent in November than in the primary. I mean, you could you could vote in both. I I don't know if these scammers know that, but it's not. Pick one election. Well, if there's probably a the lot front, of people
2: that don't know that, though.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing with phone scams. I mean, you don't have to—99.99% of the people don't need to believe it. You just need to get enough people to believe it to either, you know, give you your bank account information to get rich or to confuse enough people uh, to not drive them out to the polls. Right. But, I mean— of course, Joe Biden is not on the ballot, right? I mean, he's the incumbent. He's not running against anyone. So I wonder what the I wonder what the reasoning is behind trying to write him in on the ballot, uh, uh, other than maybe taking some votes away from Trump. But I, I would imagine that people voting for Trump would not engage in a write in uh, campaign, campaign for Joe I, Biden. I don't
2: see that happening.
1: Yeah. So I I, I mean, I, I love voting. It's weird. I love Election Day. I love going down to the polls and getting my secret ballot in that that uh, that Manila folder and feeding it into the machine. But uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> getting my I voted sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Being Mike De sanctimonious on on uh, social media saying if you don't vote, right. you don't have the right to <laughs> complain. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what the advantage of a a write-in uh, campaign is for Joe Biden. Is is he afraid RFK Junior is going to gain on him or something? I don't know. I don't know. It makes no sense. Um, and speaking of the election coming up in. Um, confusion. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, she's asking the Supreme Court for a thorough decisive ruling on whether or not Donald Trump is qualified to appear on the presidential ballot this year. We remember the Colorado Supreme Court. They ruled President uh, former President Trump off the ballot, citing the 14th Amendment insurrection clause. Main Secretary of State did the same thing, but she's also asking the Supreme Court to make a ruling. So it's always Donald Trump for that matter. Uh, Jocelyn Benson says that she has no position in the matter, but the Supreme Court should make a clear decision now so that election officials know how to proceed. I'm paraphrasing. Um, the absentee ballots for the February 27th primary have gone out but uh, the state GOP, they're trying to hold a caucus on March 2nd, where 39 of Michigan's 55 delegates will be rewarded, meaning only 16 delegates will be determined by the primary, making it almost pointless. But but all these people are right. I mean, there needs to be a clear decision made by the Supreme Court one way or another, because it's going to get messy if they don't.
2: And confusing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And if they they make a decision about the primary, they need to make the same decision about the general election so we don't go through this again. Right. All right. Got to take a break. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we're joined by Guy, Lloyd and Jamie heading into Jr. Morning and uh, glad everyone got in safely. How is everyone's drive in today? Uh, for me, treacherous.
3: Yeah, I took yeah. Woodward down, and uh, it was just kind of slushy um, and wet. And listen, I didn't have to stop at any stoplight. I took it all the way from 12 Mile all the way down to the boulevard, just straight. I had no problem oh. until I got to the Pallister-West Grand Boulevard exit, and then getting up that ramp, it was slippery. Turning left down Pallister, uh-huh. slippery. slippery. So it's yeah. going to be the, the ramps, bridges, mm-hmm. and overpasses that are the yep. problematic things here.
4: Yeah, and the sidewalks.
3: And- Sidewalks right. are, yeah, because yeah, Sasha pulled me that's, down the side I was going to say, your dog is the biggest risk <laughs> to you. Uh-huh. She's a she's, snow dog She's, she's going to mush you right across that ice.
1: That's how it was. Actually, <laughs> I, I should have just said, mush, mush. Yeah, the thing is, we don't train the dogs. The dogs train us. <laughs> Correct. Right. But that's a good point because, uh, I, the, the side, I I mean, people talk about the the side streets being the last to be salted. Um, the sidewalks are, are never salted unless your HOA does it. So yeah, maybe, um, put on the traction or, or maybe, uh, skip the morning walk today. If, if your dog will allow it. Mm,
0: yeah. But That's it
1: the seems thing like with dogs, they always have to go out. They gotta go. Where are they going? <laughs> right. Unless you. you yeah. Know. Yeah. They don't care if you bust a knee or a shoulder, they got to go potty and sniff. This is a good day to have a cat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Or a hamster.
1: Well, all right, there you go. All right, or well, fish. It, it's it seems like once we uh, once we clear this, we're going to get a little bit of a break. So everyone, take it easy, and then we'll enjoy. It's going to be raining over the next few days, but it'll be above freezing. So we'll be out of the deep freeze, and uh, this is why I don't shovel because I know. Uh, in a few months, uh, <laughs> it, it, it will clear itself.
2: <laughs> wow, your neighbors must love you. Yeah, right. And your mailman. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. No, actually, you know what?
1: I I, sh- I shovel for the mailman because I, d- I don't want him hurting himself. But uh, no, I do shovel. But if I know that it's going to be warm in a few days, I might not shovel as thoroughly. Well, so if uh, the NFL is scripted like everyone's saying it is, um, then I guess maybe it would who them to uh, script the Lions into the Super Bowl because the Lions <laughs> equal huge ratings. Uh, that game against the Rams, 35.8 million people. Wow. Pre- biggest primetime audience since last year's Super Bowl. And then the divisional game against the Bucks, 40 million people watched. That's the most.
3: It wasn't any- primetime. Right. Right. No. I mean, this is a, this is a th- 3, 3 5, p.m. 5, game. 5 game. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's just well, remarkable. Yeah.
4: But the NBC Football
1: Night in America, which is what technically that was, is like the biggest show on television. So people watch. Yeah. Well, and and you know what? That's a great point because it didn't even dawn on me that it wasn't a primetime game. It was, yeah, it was a random three. Well, I wouldn't say random three o'clock game, but it wasn't the primetime game like the AFC matchup. It's the most watched divisional round since 1994 when Joe Montana (sighs) led his Kansas City Chiefs to victory against the houston oilers which which don't even exist as a franchise as the houston oilers anymore so um yeah america's team that's what they've been saying america's team is right there in the new york post yep yep it's it it, it's the metrics are there from social media and the ratings so um change the script nfl because america wants to see the lines in the super bowl jr morning coming up next and then there were two in New Hampshire after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropped out of the presidential race Sunday, putting his support behind former President Trump.
2: Dennis Arnoy, founder of Densar Consulting, takes a look back on his campaign with Kevin and Tom on All Talk.
4: Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has withdrawn from the 2024 Republican presidential race. He's endorsed former President Donald Trump over Nikki Haley. And boy, Kevin, I would hate to be a Democrat In New Hampshire, the Democratic Party isn't even having a primary there tomorrow. You know, Joe Biden did so bad last time around. They've kind of uh, fudged it a bit and they're going to South Carolina instead.
3: Yeah, Biden's name's not even uh, on the ballot uh, uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, People can write him in if they'd like to, uh, but uh, he he could uh, start out 0-1 as this campaign gets underway. I don't think he has much to worry about. Uh, Big news, uh, Ron DeSantis dropping out uh, of the Republican presidential race. I, I was surprised. I would have been less surprised after uh, the New Hampshire numbers came in because he 's not expected to do well uh but uh you know coming out of iowa 's uh uh second place there i w- I was a bit surprised. Joining us now is Dennis darnoy uh with Densar consulting. Good morning Dennis. How are you
5: Good morning, Tom Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for having me on.
3: yeah, I appreciate you being here uh, All eyes on new hampshire uh what do, what do you What do you make of of Ron DeSantis dropping out, which seemed sudden? I mean, it does seem sudden,
5: but also it doesn't. Um, you know, everyone looking at the polls, looking at the numbers, uh, realize that he's probably going to finish third or, you know, he's going to finish third in New Hampshire. Um, South Carolina, he's running, in, you know, in third. The Nevada caucus primary thing is, is so crazy that um, he probably wasn't likely to do well there. So there there wasn't, as he put it, a, a pathway to victory, Um and then there really isn't a justification um, to stay in. And I think as we sort of talked about it last time, uh, with all the money being spent on the Democratic side, it, it just seems as if the, the general election is, is bypassing the primary and starting right now. So uh, with no pathway to victory, with uh, you know Donald Trump receiving uh, a majority of votes in Iowa – likely to do the same in New Hampshire. Um, it just seems as if the Republican Party knows who they want their nominee to be. And it just was not going to be Ron DeSantis this time.
3: Ron DeSantis uh, endorses uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump thanks him. Uh, how does that impact this two-person race on the Republican side?
5: Yeah, I mean, so I see two things happening. I mean, Ron, Ron DeSantis uh, supporters were generally Trump supporters. They There were aspects about Donald Trump that they didn't like, and they thought, hey, uh, Ron DeSantis would bring the same policies as Donald Trump, but maybe with less less drama. Uh, now that DeSantis is out, more of those voters are going to go uh, back into the Donald Trump camp and, and support his candidacy. The other thing it does is Nikki Haley has been asking for this one-on-one race. And sometimes it's be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. She's going to get it. Um, and if she can't succeed in in New Hampshire, if she can't succeed in her home state of South Carolina, again, there's no rationale for her to continue going forward. The other thing I think it will help you know, with Donald Trump is, again, the supporters who were financially backing um, Ron DeSantis are now going to. Um, on The campaign coffers of, of Donald Trump. It's not going to be the same for, for Nikki Haley. Um, every poll that we look at all the data suggests that Ron DeSantis supporters are not supporters of Nikki Haley for one reason or another. So again, I think this helps Donald Trump. The endorsement certainly, um, you know, helps Donald Trump. Um, and now Nikki Haley has her one on one fight. And if she can't win in, in New Hampshire or South Carolina, it's really time for her to pack up and and just let this race you know finish out.
4: Yeah. So DeSantis criticized Nikki Haley that she represents the the old Republican guard that she's somehow beholden to corporate politics and ESG mandates. As a result, that, that by extension, does that critique align? Do you think with the, with a broader movement for change within the Republican Party?
5: Well, I think so. I mean, again, what, what, what we saw sort of late last year, beginning of this year, um, was a lot of the old establishment money going to Nikki Haley. Um, and, and a lot of the, the things that she said, I mean, she tries to take some very hardline conservative positions, but the fact of the matter is, most even, I mean, how is she going to succeed in New Hampshire by appealing to independents who are allowed to, to vote in a Republican primary? Um, and again, it's been made pretty clear by the Republican base that they're not looking for that type of candidate, they have a very yeah, you know, uh, a strict idea of what they're looking for. Um, and it's just not making any.
4: What's going on with the Democratic Party? Because they're not going to be really partaking in the New Hampshire primary tomorrow. They're favoring South Carolina over that. And they say this decision to do this reflects their party's approach to, you know, inclusivity and voter representation. But they're actually not allowing voters in New Hampshire to vote. Uh, really, isn't it more voter suppression than voter representation? Yeah
5: it's interesting, right? Because they're trying to say, Hey, we changed the the lineup of states who can, you know, vote and we mm-hmm. move South Carolina above New Hampshire, so out of solidarity for South Carolina, we're we're not going to participate in New Hampshire, and you know, um, not again with that being one of the states that potentially could be a battleground. uh, You know, come come November, um, it's a very curious decision to kind of ignore voters in in a state that you might need to retain the presidency if you're if you're a Democrat. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess it's not surprising. That, you know, Democrats are are acting this in this way and proceeding in this way. It's something that uh, you know we've seen before. But thankfully, I, I think for me, looking at that Republican primary and seeing you know good, you know, one v one contest and seeing where the voters are. And again, if Donald Trump is above fifty percent, if a majority of North, uh, sorry, New Hampshire Republican voters say he's our guy, I mean, you know, what else do you need to see to say? you know Don, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee.
3: Hey, back to uh Ron DeSantis for a second. What does DeSantis 2028 look like now? Did did this effort help him or hurt him for future runs?
5: Well, I think it helps him with a certain group. Um uh, I mean, my personal opinion is, you know, he needs to regroup and and come up with a better campaign strategy and a better campaign message. I think he uh with the 3 years that he has remaining as Florida governor allows him himself to to rebuild um some of his, his his brand, if you will. Um and and his campaign was, was poorly run. Um it showed a lot of weaknesses within his game as a player on national state. Um, so, kind of, you know, exiting, endorsing the very likely, nominee, uh, going out there being a vocal supporter of his for this upcoming campaign, and then just kind of rehabilitating his his image um, will help him. Had he stayed in the in the race, he would have just continued to get a lot of slings and arrows against him, and that would not have been beneficial for uh, a potential run in in 2028.
4: It was strange, because I guess the question becomes, you know, who got into Ron DeSantis' ear to make this decision two days before the New Hampshire primary, when he just won the Iowa—well, he came in second in the Iowa caucuses over Nikki Haley. Do you you think it was the Trump campaign? Was was it Ron DeSantis' donors that got into his ear, or was it something or somebody else?
5: No, I think it was a combination of both. I mean, I think, you know, the Trump campaign said, to him, look, you don't have a path forward. I think the donors said, hey, if you want us to be there with you in 2028— this is the exit this is the way that you should go out and i think again when you look at the numbers if you're sitting there as, as you know ron and casey DeSantis on a plane going back to tallahassee you look at the numbers and you say we can't there, there isn't a pathway to victory we can't succeed so if these people are saying hey this is time to go this is a graceful way to get out of the race and if you do this you're going to have our support in, in you know, four years from now. Um, you know, as a smart politician you look at that and you say, Well I can't win and and this is how I keep support, so this is the pathway that I'm gonna choose.